There are two readings this morning. The first is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Then the second reading is from Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long And high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray for George, shall we? Father, thank you for George. Thank you for his ministry across this diocese. Uh, And uh, we pray that you will bless him now as, as he speaks and as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Peter. And uh, it's great to be uh, with you all here at Baston Hill once again. And uh, final time before I retire in the summer, which is a strange thought. And uh, I know I don't look old enough, but there we are. And uh, you're not supposed to laugh like that. (laughs) Anyway, mother in Sunday, so I thought I'd wear my my yellow shirt, because I guess you'd be giving out daffodils and, and things like that. And it's nice and sunny as well, isn't it? Um, and as Peter mentioned, uh, the theme I'm looking at this morning is the theme, oh, the theme of presence. Is that my, uh, oh, adjustments. <sighs> well, that's, that's better, is it? If it misbehaves, I'll go back to that. Uh, the, the theme of, of God's presence, uh, such a vital uh, and central theme. 
And, and, and the link with Mothering Sunday, uh, actually, I, I think came in one of those verses that was quoted uh, a little earlier uh, when Isaiah talks about uh, a mother knowing her children. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Uh, and whatever experiences we have of motherhood, and that varies enormously, doesn't it? We all know what ideal motherhood is. And a mother being there for the child at all times, at all costs. And so that passage, in a sense, is likening God to a mother. And God's presence is the most wonderful and life-changing thing that we can experience. And it's actually an abiding theme right through the panorama of the Bible. Uh, In a sense, it almost undergirds everything. God's desire to be present with us. So going back to Genesis 1 and and the the early passages in Genesis, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and God was there with them. But of course, that was all made a mess uh, and eventually it led to the sense of the the tabernacle and then the temple uh, and the central part of the Jewish religion was the temple where the Holy of Holies in the center of the temple, there resided the very presence of God. And, and, and that was so, so important to them. And, and, and also we get other aspects, like in Psalm 23. For thou art with me. Just those five words. For thou art with me. And, and, and God's desire always is to be with us and alongside us. And so, of course, in the coming of Christ, we have the fullness of God in human form in Christ. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And, of course, on the cross that we've been singing about, that's where Jesus made it possible for us to know the very presence of God by getting rid of all the the things that separate us from God. Symbolized, of course, uh, uh, while Jesus was actually on the cross, by by the temple curtain, and and that was the the curtain in the Holy of Holies, splitting in two from top to bottom, saying the very presence of God that had been secluded in the temple is now open for everybody. And, And it's just a recurring message through the Scriptures. And and so Paul, writing in his letters, is is often alluding to that. And that in Ephesians 3 that we read, talks about Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit in our inner being. And of course, one day, it will all culminate in eternity when we are one day again back with God. God going out of his way to make it possible for us to know his presence. But of course, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? That's God's bit, and he's done everything, but it needs our response. We need to learn to respond and to be attentive to him. And again, right through the scriptures, there's that invitation, come, come. And God has done his bit, and then he says, Come into my presence. And that's what he's saying to us today. Now, 
I'm going to look at three aspects of God's presence this morning. So, so the first one is in terms of our corporate worship, uh, the, the sense of God's presence as we meet together. The second is in our personal prayer life and devotions, coming individually before God. And then the third aspect is as we take that presence of God out with us wherever we are. So firstly then, the, uh, the, the, the corporate coming together as we are doing this morning. Now, this isn't a communion service, this particular one, but often in our communion service, we have some words that are most incredible. Uh, I'm going to say them, and I wonder if you can say the response. The Lord is here. See, there we are. Yeah. Oh, I forgot I'd put that on. (laughs) I'm just checking he's on the ball, you see. You're doing a great job there. Thank you. But have you ever stopped to think about those words? The Lord is here. The God of the universe. The creator of everything. The majestic one and only. We're saying, the Lord is here. And there is something about coming together in worship that is quite different. In one sense, God is everywhere, isn't he? God is omnipresent. There is nowhere that God isn't. But when we come together to worship, what we're talking about is a heightened consciousness within us of God's presence amongst us. Just think of times in worship when you've sensed the very presence of God. I can think of various points. I wish there were more. Now, if we could bottle that or create a formula to to make it happen more often, oh, church life would be so much simpler for us vicars. (laughs) Because actually, I think that's what people are longing for. I think that's one of the essences of church, experiencing together the presence of God. The problem is, we often get it all messed up and linked up with styles and traditions. In other words, the way we like doing things. And if it's not how we like it, then God can't be present, can he? Well, yeah, it does happen occasionally. Um, uh, 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 do you know who I mean by Saint Kendrick? Have you come across Saint Kendrick? Gordon Crandick, great, great songwriter, uh, uh, lovely, humble man of God. I always remember him saying something that I often quote. He said this, when it comes to worship and different songs and styles and ways of doing it, we're allowed our preferences, but not our prejudices. We're allowed our preferences, but not our prejudices. And I found that so helpful personally. So it's perfectly okay to say that this is the type of worship that I prefer, this I enjoy. But we're not allowed to say, that's not worship, that's rubbish. God isn't there. Now, you've got your preferences, have you? I have. When you're on holiday, are you careful where you go? I am. Scour the websites, try and find something that I think, yeah, I'll enjoy that. 
And sometimes it works and sometimes, oh no. Have you ever been in one of those? Yeah. And God still turns up. How can that be? (laughs) It's strange, isn't it? The elusive presence of God. See, ultimately, God's presence is a gift of grace. And we can't earn it and we can't manufacture it. But we can hinder it. Many of you know I uh, wrote and teach the Everybody Welcome course. And, and the central part of that course for me, where I always pause, is when we come to the point of worship. Uh, and I, I say something to this effect. The whole reason why we're doing this course... The, the reason why we're looking at all these practicalities about people smiling, uh, the, the right type of welcome and everything else is so that that person who is coming into our church can in the time of worship experience the presence of God. Uh, and if they're full of uncertainty about where the toilet is or angst about all the things that have happened, they are far less likely to experience the presence of God. See, what people are looking for, what people are searching for, is that sense of God's presence. But I've got a long list of things that put me off. I don't know what your list is like. I'm not, I'm not going to say what they are today. I, I did a, a conference a bit about this a couple of weeks ago, and we went through all the things that put us off. It was great fun. <laughs> I, I was you know, saying, this, this is me. But that's me. Preferences, not prejudices. And you know, if I'm really, really honest, it's often my fault, it's often my attitude. I wonder how attentive we are. Uh, going, going back to, to mothers and children, uh, do you know what I mean by selective deafness? Yeah. And, and eventually the, the parent gets, pay attention! <laughs> yeah. I wonder if God sometimes gets like that with us. I'm sure he must. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's partly the role that I've had to adopt, not, not just as director of mission, but as vicar, of... of Actually, having to make sure that everything works right. Having to make sure that everything is in place. And and it can take my attentiveness away from worship. Away from actually responding to God and his love. I'm thinking of the next thing rather than the present thing. And when we come together into worship, God wants us to take our eyes off the next thing and the other things. And to enter into his presence together. Too often I'm a a critical observer. Rather than an active and devoted participant. So let's enter into worship. Let's come with expectation and hope. And above all, let's come with prayer. How prayerful are we in our preparation for worship? Do we prepare our hearts in order to come together to worship God? How prayerful are we about the people who are leading and doing different things within the service?
I remember hearing once a, a story of a man who uh, was not very impressed with the uh, service that day. So as they were going out, there was the vicar shaking hands. And he said to the vicar, today's service wasn't very good, vicar. And the vicar by this point had got a bit frustrated. Do you know what the vicar said back? He said, I'm sure you got the service that you prayed for. Ah, Peter would never do that. (laughs) But what service do we pray for? And, And if we're going to desire to encounter the presence of God in our worship, then it's beholden upon every single one of us to be part of that by our active participation, but also by our prayerful preparation for this very special time of coming together in God's presence. First aspect then is God's presence as we worship together. The second aspect is our personal prayers and devotions. This this could be a guilt trip, so please don't accept it in any way. Um, You know, uh, I don't know what you call your kind of prayer time. Uh, It used to be called quiet times, didn't it? Have you had your quiet time today? When do you have your quiet time? When do you have your quiet time? See, it always used to be the thing when I was younger, you had to start the day with Jesus, right? If you didn't have your quiet time in the morning, you were obviously an inferior Christian. But you see, how, it depends how you're wired up. Are you a morning person or a night person? If, if you're a, if you're not a morning person and you struggle to have a quiet time, a time of, of just looking at God's word, prayer, openness to God in the morning, it's not going to work, is it? Because you're not awake. You're not there till after a certain time and a certain drink or whatever it is. Do it whenever is right for you. Find what works. I remember... Um, reading a little pamphlet. I think I was a teenager, so it's a long time. Seven minutes with God, right? And it, it explained how to have a quiet time in seven minutes. That's pretty good, isn't it? Not sure we should be quite going to, to that. But I wonder if we even have seven minutes with God. Of course, in the, the big wide world, people are saying that to, to just spend time in quietness and peace for ten minutes a day can make all the difference to our well-being as people. And we have the opportunity as Christians to simply come before our God. For whatever works for us in whatever context works for us. I was talking to one person and they said that, uh, that they uh, like to sit in their uh, comfortable armchair and, uh, and there's another armchair there and they picture Jesus sat in the other armchair and they chat to him. Yeah. That's how they found to do the quiet time. Uh, I had another friend, and, and to be honest, home life was rather frantic. His quiet time was actually going out into the woods and taking the dog for a walk. And he said this, he said, when I do that, my heartbeat and my life slow down to God's heartbeat. And I commune with God. See, he found that's what worked for him. Have you found what's worked for you? 
And of course, it's different at different times and seasons of our life, isn't it? So it's never just one thing, but spending some time with God each day. Entering into his presence each day is one of the keys of our Christian life. Now, as I said at the beginning of this section, don't get under guilt. So if you miss your quiet time one day, God is not going to be angry and send a thunderbolt. He isn't like that. He's the God of grace. But the other side of it is this. If you're wanting to move forward in your Christian life, then spending some time with God each day, whatever that means for you, entering into his presence is an absolute key. And none of us have got time, have we? But how much time do we spend on this and other things? And talking about this, do you know there are some great apps and things on these that can help us? Uh, There's one lovely one that I came across called Pray As You Go. And and it's designed for commuters that that, that can actually, uh, not while they're driving, but but while they're on the train or the bus, can actually have their quiet time. And it's, it's it's a meditation on God's Word. Just very simple, isn't it? So there's all sorts of things to help us in our daily walk with God. Try it regularly and see what a difference it makes. If your quiet time with God has been getting stale, try something different. Talk to each other about what works for you. You can, you know, in this room we'll have all sorts of ideas. Why not exchange ideas and be enriched by each other? So our worship and experience the presence of God together, our experiencing the presence of God individually and as that happens then wherever we go we take the presence of God with us many of you know that um, I uh, have done a lot with uh, London Institute of Contemporary Christianity LICC for short and uh, and, and they talk about the front line and, and that's our kind of uh, worship together on the left there uh, with the the, the dots all in one place, uh, six to seven percent of the population go to church with some sort of regularity uh, once a month. But the rest don't. How do we reach them? Well, it's because the rest of the week, there we are, the scattered church. And the key is the dots staying red and not graying out. And that's where our corporate worship and our personal prayers are what help us to stay red. And as we go out then, we take the presence of Christ with us. C.S. Lewis, that great writer of last century, talked about us being little Christs. Wherever we go, we are little Christs. Paul, Paul talked about it in Corinthians as, of being, as being ambassadors of Christ. So wherever we go, we're representing Christ. And that doesn't mean, um, you know, bashing people over the head with the Bible, uh, preaching at people. No, no, no. It's simply being who we are with Christ in any situation. And it's being attentive to God, 
Not just in our time of worship, not just in our personal prayers, but allowing God's presence to be there throughout the day. Uh, I was preaching last Sunday night about uh, prayers of blessing. And uh, we were looking at the ironic prayer of blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Beautiful prayer, often used in churches. Now then, how many people here, I wonder, are people watchers? You know what I mean? You sit there and, and you watch people, don't you? Why not incorporate into your people watching, praying a prayer of blessing upon people? Now you might not get through the whole ironic prayer, how about the Lord bless you? Just as, just as you're there. Just, what effect would it have if all the Christians in the world was praying blessings on people? Left, right and centre. And it would also make us aware of the God who we're asking to bless. Giving a different dimension to our life. You know, when that person annoys you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, <laughs> yeah? through gritted teeth <laughs> you, can, you can even do it while you're driving but don't don't close your eyes <laughs> but becoming a people who offer the blessing of God because the presence of God is with us and as we do that I think that lovely verse in 1 Peter 3 always be prepared to give an answer to anybody who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have but do it with gentleness and respect that I think then becomes real you see it's not how good we are is it there's a lot of good people out there aren't there in fact they're a lot gooder than some of us sometimes aren't they so we're not going to out good people but actually it's the light and the presence of Jesus in us that is what making the, makes the difference. And that will lead to people, when appropriate, to ask the question so we can share what our faith means to us. But it won't happen unless we're taking with us the very presence of Jesus into the world. So let's be attentive to the God who has gone out of his way to enable his presence to be here with us. Let's be attentive to him in our worship. Let's be attentive to him in our personal prayers. However we decide works for us. And let's be attentive to him, even out there, as we go about our lives and be used by him to be a blessing of his presence to others. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for making it possible for your presence to be available to us. Lord, that is just so amazing and so humbling. Father God, forgive us for when we take that for granted. Forgive us when we're not attentive to you in our times of worship. Forgive us when we forget about you day by day. Forgive us when we simply go about our lives and never give you a thought. Please may your presence so abide in us that we may then take your presence wherever we are 
that others may know your living, loving presence, which we so value and enjoy. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your presence here with us today. Amen.